Hello, Babylonians. I know a lot of you have been with us for a long time, even from the beginning, and we cannot say thank you enough. And I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately, how do you make your own podcast? Well, it's simple. I use Anchor. Anchor Anchor.fm, which is the website, or there is an app, or you can go on your computer, whatever you want to do. It's the easiest way. Um, It is run through Spotify, so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto, and there's lots of different, it'll stream to at least, I think, 10 different platforms, or more. um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter where your setup is like, you can start creating today, today, and tell me what your podcast name is, because you know I'm going to listen. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me, even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. Hello, Babylonians. It is I, Nicole, if you're new here. Shauna is still not here, but I do have a little special co-hosty host for you. Hello. It's Corbett. Hello. She's new to all this, so if you hear a lot of giggling, it's because she's a hot fucking mess. So she fits right in. Um, there, there may be barking in the background because we have also special guest Nova June, who's her dog. She's a sweet, beautiful, self-needy um, <clears throat> German Shepherd. And my dogs are upstairs because they cannot come down here because they're too mean and aggressive. So. Here we go. Here we go. Mm -hmm. So first off, I've got to talk about um, the wonderful friends that I've made in a group on Facebook that have, like, made our numbers go through the roof. (laughs) So I talked about some of them last week. I think one of them that I forgot, I think her name is Connie. I don't think I added her to the list. So Mm -hmm. Connie, thank you for listening to us. Laura, you're welcome for shouting you out. I'm going to shout you out again, and I'll probably do it a lot because I love all of you guys. Because Mm -hmm. without this group, I wouldn't have Wyoming. (laughs) Which I'm still sad because I'm ready to hear how Shauna's going to react to that. But we're, we've got some news that we're going to share once Shauna is back with me in this basement. <clears throat> so, to start off, um, Brenda, her husband, is from Wyoming. So, hello to both of you whenever you listen. Hi, hello, hello. hello. Hi, Nicole. Hi, hi. hello. Uh, Jackie, she's from Wisconsin but lives in Illinois, which is really cool because that's where all of my family is at. So, hello, Jackie. Hello. Misty, she's another Wyoming listener. Thank you. Thank you. You. It's so funny to me because I keep checking and like to make sure I'm not like dreaming, you know, and I check the because I can see all the states that have listened to us, obviously, because I knew we didn't get it took us 95 episodes to get fucking Wyoming. Um, but anyways, I uh, have seen like Wyoming listeners have like slowly started moving up our, our little list because usually when a new state listens, they go to the bottom. Mm-hmm. You guys are like six up from the bottom, which is amazing. Yeah. So next one is Carmen. She's from Alabama. 
She's probably going to stop listening now because I said it like that, but that's fine. <laughs> Next is Jen from Washington, which is where my auntie lives, and she's going to get married this year, and I'm so excited to go to Washington. So, Jen, I'm going to be like, hey, girl, let's be friends. I'm coming for a wedding. Um, the... Um, this next listener is named Edla. You have a really wicked cool fucking name. I don't know where you're from and that's fine because we don't need to disclose all that information so people don't come kill us because that's what we talk about here. But Edla, <laughs> thank you for listening to us. Cassie from Kentucky. That just sounds right. Cassie from Kentucky. Hello. Yeah. Yes, My sister-in-law's yes. name is Cassie so you're kind of wonderful. Um, we have a listener named Spirit. Oh, spirit and considering i have two candles lit right now because calming duh and one one is like a love love candle and one's an abundance candle and i mostly like them because they smell really good but one of them is dancing like uh -huh. aggressively so love come to me that's what it's called love come to me yeah i got it at a metaphysical fair because of witchy things you know yes. it smells really good right it's lovely, it's lovely. yes it's lovely can barely smell it but it's lovely well i've burned it a lot <laughs> I've needed a lot of self-love in my life. But anyways, spirit. Maybe that's you. Is it your spirit in this room? Spirit with the oh, coolest name ever. Oh and um, the last one is Michelle in Utah. So um, thank you guys so much. And there, I know the other Shauna has like started from the beginning. So thank you, other Shauna. Shauna with a W. You are wonderful mm -hmm. and amazing. And I'm glad just you guys all like us because sometimes Shocking. I feel like I'm not doing... Wow. I will ask you to leave right now. I can do this all by myself with a baby on my boob. Because that's how we do it here. So, any who's or what's it? I cannot. <clears throat> so, uh, I, yeah, I said, I, I put a note because I don't like to forget things. I was like, thank you, beautiful ladies, for checking this out and showing us some massive love. I will never be able to appreciate you as loudly as right now. So, I love you so much. Woo! Yeah, that was really loud. Like, look how loud it got. <laughs> so, yes. I'm good. Um, I, yeah. I just, I can't say thank you enough because we hit, <clears throat> so today is the 20th. When this hits your ear holes, it'll be the 22nd. Um, we, so not even two weeks and we went from 10,000 plays to now we're just over 10,300. And I know that's probably like not a big deal. Not a lot of podcasters talk about that, but, but when you're a nobody like me in little Southwest Kansas, it's like mind blowing that we've gone that fast in just a couple of weeks. So I couldn't have done it without all of you beautiful humans and mm -hmm. our love of morbid. And now you guys kind of like us, even though it's uh, exhausting to listen to sometimes. And I apologize, but you're still here. So I guess I don't. Sorry, not sorry. And continuing on, um, mm -hmm. this is another Nate episode because I love Nate. Um, if you're new here, Nate is our dude on Twitter who suggested about 90% of our cases as of lately. I did have a huge list, then I got a n new phone, and I lost my list. Like, I had so many lists, and it was Aye. so sad. Oh. So, he, I went back through Twitter and found a bunch of cases. So, we're good for a while, so don't worry about that. And this particular case, it's another lady killer, because you know how we like them evil ladies. <laughs> That's what we're all about here. <laughs> and um, it's an intense case, but aren't they all? Mm -hmm. This is actually going to be a two-parter. <laughs> two huge parts so yeah because there's a lot there's like 20 some Ooh, pages of notes here 50 <laughs> no no two episodes and we're, we'll cap it at that because we're not albert fishing it if y'all listen to morbid <laughs> like it was, it was a doozy of a fucking nightmare so anyways um this is the case of Teresa stone she is a stone cold nightmare see what i did there 
See what I did there? Uh, we're going to just kick it off right here. All right, let's do this. Uh, and Don, um, if there's baby noises, it's because he's nursing, so you're welcome. Maybe he'll wake up. Maybe he'll stay asleep. He's kind of grumping. And I talked about Don at the end of our episode yesterday, but before I get into this awful case, uh, Don is um, one of our cancer warrior friends who just became cancer free. And I think that's just something to celebrate every episode, especially when Sean gets back, because I'm sure we'll talk about it again. About it again then. Woo! Hot Mess Express has entered the station. Thank you. All right. So Don, we love you so much. You are an incredible, wonderful human being, and we will never be able to appreciate you loudly enough as we do right now. So I love you so much. Okay, here we go. Teresa Stone. She met her husband, Randy. Randy. That's Randy. Randy. When they were kids in the northeast area of Kansas City, that's not that far from here, mm-hmm. but didn't begin dating until after he returned from the Marines. Hey, in shout 19, out to the Marines. In 1990, in case they aren't familiar, Colbert is a Marine mm-hmm. and a Navy lady. Oh, <laughs> she said lady. Oh, no. Okay. Her favorite word. That's okay. Randy gave off a tough guy persona. Wow, this guy and you were kindred spirits, but had a soft side, and Teresa had a flirtatious personality, but they ended up married, and they were married later in 1990, and they'd go on to pop out four little humans. No, thank you. Two was enough for me. That's worth Yes. Randy was a big fitness guru, and he loved some competition on the basketball court or in the office. He was... Also, a farmer's insur- insurance goodbye insurance agent. I'm hearing my dog bark upstairs, and I want to go like knock her out a little bit uh-huh. gently, tranquilizing a little bit, just a little bit. Um, so he was a insurance agent. He was pretty darn successful in the region that he worked in, and despite his consp- consp- goodbye competitive side, I'm fine. He loved to write poems for his wife. He kept a journal, drove the Sunday school bus for church, and advised the congregation on financial issues. A literal gold, hu- <clears throat> golden human being. Like, Always. just a good mm. fucking person, as they all are. Spoiler alert. Randy is obviously the victim in this case. Um, she, Teresa, worked in his Noland Road office. She started as a customer service rep. It's the only thing we have in common, because that's what I do at my job now. And then she became the licensed agent herself. Um, she was a decent business partner. We won't knock that, I guess. She'd open the office every morning and allow Randy to manage both his clients and his relationship with the open farmer's the insurance. Yep. <laughs> whose products yeah. they sold. They were regulars at Teresa's church, which is the New Hope Baptist, which is even where they were married. She helped in the kitchen and sang in the choir. Yeah. So, trying to paint her as a decent human being for now because she sucks. You're doing well. Thank you. This brings us to another important character to this tale. His name is Reverend David Love. What an ironic name that kid's going to end up being. Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And I know it's like, oh my god, he's a reverend. You're going to hate him too by the end of the story. Thank you. You're welcome. Goodbye. He was an attractive man who loved to wear dark suits. And he arrived at the church in 1999. You know, Y2K, we coming up. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> I was six. Was I six? Yes, I was. He was the son of missionaries, attended a Baptist college in the South, and was a youth minister and pastor at two previous churches. Not suspicious behavior, really. You know, sound like a sound dude. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... Um, okay, so Randy ended up becoming a quickly, like, a devoted follower of him, which, I mean, if you find a good church leader, you know, that's awesome. Good for you. Church isn't my thing, but we're not here to talk about that. Two guys, um, would argue regular business, uh, church business occasionally, but Randy said love was the most influential 
influential person in his life and how freaking unfortunate this would end up being because he has mad respect for this dude and we're not even through page one yet thank you david was um smooth uh love yeah smooth talking even yeah smooth and charismatic way of speaking and laid out scripture and then explained it bit by bit um it was quote that he said i love the word of god i'm glad the lord called me to preach and it's a delight and a privilege to be able to come before you Unquote. But he wasn't all godly and serene as he played the role. He had financial issues from a Virginia congregation in the 90s. He <clears throat> Similar trouble started at the Independence Ministry, Missouri, when he wouldn't account for about $30,000 that was missing from a fund for missionary salaries. And I, I even put in here, I was like, I have my indifference about religion and how I feel about it, but I would never allow this to go on. This That's people's livelihood, literally trying to better... Um, to be better in this world, learn a little bit more about your last name, David. Love. <laughs> Page one complete. He was a little bit of a lot pissed off when he was confronted about the missing money, and he said, I will not let a church checkbook run my ministry. Ongoing, however, he put on a show and was like, uh, tried to put himself as the perfect preacher, doted on his wife. Her name was Kim, who was a Southern belle who relished it in her role as a mom, pastor's wife, and even the church secretary. She literally sounds delightful mm -hmm. and not worthy of the piece of shit that she married. Mm -hmm. um, she was pretty fierce in her Christian faith also. She was very truthful and forgiving. I said, girl, no, stop that. And that <laughs> would... <laughs> I like how, like, when I'm typing out these notes, because that's I don't handwrite them anymore because my handwriting is atrocious. Listen to episode one and two, you'll hear. Um, <laughs> I know that was a long time ago. It still turned but, out good. Though. Oh, yeah, I know, but I was very, that was, I was proud of those handwritten notes. But, like, uh, I put in my notes, like, how I would literally react out loud, so that's why that's in there. So, um, she was so forgiving and loving that some people would like think she was like a phony, like just a really super fake person, mm -hmm. um, which is unfortunate. Like that's how people interpret humans, but whatever. Ongoing, however, um, they had met in church, no, met in college in Chattanooga, Tennessee. On the day he proposed, he took her on a high hill overlooking the city and said, Kimberly Joy Turner, I could search the whole world over and I'd never find anybody like you. Would you marry me? And before we get to her response, this man goes on to deceive her, a pastor, a man of quote-unquote God, so fuck him, and his dumbass cutie proposal. I love love, like Ash. Yes, I say that too. Please don't say that I'm, oh my god, you're trying to act like her. No, I love love. It's great. It's freaking adorable. L-O-V-E. L-O-V-E. Like his last about. name. L-O-V-E. So, she obviously said, yes, 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 four times, I'd like to add. And he pulled her <laughs> engagement ring off his pinky finger and handed it to his fiance, which I'm like, what? Didn't even put it on her hand. Who like, you know, it? traditional engagement, because mm -hmm. why would you? They ended up getting married June 26, 1982, on a Tuesday, because always, it's always Tuesday. She wouldn't... <laughs> and he worked in a church. Yeah. Okay. No, that's just the joke we make because all our episodes come out on Tuesday. Oh, right. I forget you're new here. She would later go on to say that David treated her like a queen, which despite this pedestal he seemed to have her on throughout marriage, Kim was very wary, very wary of time, hey-o, <laughs> of other women who were attracted to handsome preachers, foreshadowing much. Kim would have to shoo her husband away from women, Miss Teresa Stone included, who were just a little too friendly. As a woman, I could definitely see how this next part would pan out, these... The two ladies could be friendly. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, this is what I meant. As a woman, I could see how this next part pans out. Okay, these ladies would be friendly, mm -hmm. and then dramatic, okay. brittle, mm -hmm. and then competitive over the course of a single day. As a fel fellow female, 
<laughs> I know what it's like to go through all those emotions with a person. Especially when it comes to, like, you're noticing someone's, like, noticing your significant other and you're like, hmm. I don't like your existence. Goodbye. <laughs> I was like, tell me one woman who doesn't act like that at times when they get catty or territorial over a significant other. See, I'm just reading. I'm just talking and then getting back to my notes. Goodbye. So when March 31st, 2010 rolls around, life couldn't be more messy and a little bit of a lot devastating. So now we're going to get into the nitty gritty, gross, sad. Everything's going to get real dark real fast. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Okay. Coming in, coming in hot. Here's the scene. Teresa arrived late in the afternoon, and she ends up parking next to her husband's blue Chevy Malibu. That's <gasps> ironic. <laughs> making their cars the only two in the lot. She noticed right off the bat that the blinds were drawn shut. That's not <laughs> normal. Uh, what? Because she's driving a Malibu? Yes. Yeah, and that's funny. what you have? That's it's the funny. vehicle you have right now? I can't say. It's fine. She had been running errands and shopping that afternoon and was getting back to the office late. She recalled opening the blinds that morning a couple hours um, after she had arrived for work. Randy didn't close them before dark odd but okay like i know there's like people have a certain way of going about their um like routine so she opens the blinds and then by the end of the day he shuts them that's mm-hmm. just something normal so this mm-hmm. is she noticed immediately mm, something's not right so she goes in um opens the lock and it turned with ease indicating that the deadbolt which she said was too hard to turn had not been locked mm-hmm. all from her point of view keep in mind she called out honey where are you she checked a storage room, which had its usual clutter, but no Randy. Same with his office, nothing out of the ordinary. She came to her smaller office just down the hall, and then she looked down. <gasps> I can't see it, too. Randy was on the floor by her desk, motionless, near a copy machine. It's going to get ugly. Like I said, setting the scene. Blood that had um, streamed from his left ear had begun to dry, and his head lay in a moist puddle of bone splinters and brain. A space heater that had toppled behind him bore a crimson smear, blood spattered, um, blood spattered dotted furniture in the walls. His eyes were blackened, and his lips were blue. Randy, she yelled, wake up. She stepped over him and reached for a wireless telephone headset. She called her parents told them Randy had been shot and had asked them to come to the office, and then she called 911. Okay. I can see why why 911... I don't know. Some people... It just depends on the situation. I've never had to call 911, mm-hmm. like, for, like, something this traumatic. So, um, I've only had to call it when my house got broken into, and if you listen to past episodes, you'll hear about that. Um, it's the Shanda Sharer case. Actually, it's right after the Shanda Sharer case. Yeah. So, good luck enjoying that when my fucking podcast shit got stolen. We're not going to talk about that. I'm over it. So, she says, oh, my God, uh, 911, do you need police, fire, or medical? She goes, yes, I do, please. And they're like, okay, take a breath. Where are you at? She's like, I, I just walked into my office, and my husband's lying on the floor, on my floor in my office. Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. Where are you? I need the address of where you're at. It's 13912 Nolan Court. What's the sweet number? Sweet A is an apple. Okay, now what's wrong with your husband? He's been... He's, I don't know, there's blood everywhere, it's coming out of his ear. Um, she was taking, the uh, obeying the call taker's instructions. She left the office and waited for patrol officers to arrive, you know, not to tamper with the scene. Oh. The first on scene happened to be a member of her church. He darted inside, determined Randy was de- dead, and went back out and told Teresa. No, she shrieked before collapsing in his arms. I, it doesn't say who that is. Mm-hmm. Big nudge, nudge. They called her parents had energized the new hope grapevine you know prayer chains start like that i've been a part of a couple of them or been Mm -hmm. had stuff sent out to me Mm -hmm. pastor love heard word of it during a hospital call in south kansas city soon a church youth minister appeared outside the insurance office 
Um, and within minutes, Kim Love pulled into the parking lot. Spotting Teresa, Kim, Kim wrapped an arm around her and said, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. This is terrible. Pastor Love soon arrived, about a half hour quicker than expected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sized up the situation, left the comforting to others, and from the parking lot, intently watched the detectives. Don't be suspicious. He's eyeing them. I don't like it. He's eyeing them hard. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. So they string the crime scene tape between utility poles to secure the front of the office and a half dozen detectives before um, before they began investigating inside. Someone asked Kim to drive a shaky Teresa to a nearby restroom. Kim submitted to duty as she had throughout her marriage, but Kim had um, also assessed her passenger and she thought, did you do this? Because intuition is not something to be ignored because some people just, they just get that vibe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So Kim and Teresa um, returned to the parking lot pretty quickly um, where shocked friends, family, and church members grieved as investigators came from and went from the insurance office. Tapped to lead the investigation um, was Officer Rose Warren. Warren? Rose Warren? Sure. Mm-hmm. Waited outside while crime scene techs and medical examiners worked. Um, already he had learned that Randy, like him, was a veteran immensely proud of his military service. Rose Warren suspended his police ID on a Go Army lanyard. He had served uh, 20 years in active duty Army National Guard and Reserve and had served both in Iraq and, um, and Afghanistan investigating crime. What a fucking badass. Wow. Okay. That's, that's cool. That's very impressive. So during his tour in Afghanistan, he had sent his colleagues a framed American flag that had flown on an F-15 fighter jet during a mission as a small way of thanking detectives in independence for picking up his slack while he was overseas. Oh, my God. So he immediately felt a kinship to Randy Stone. Mm-hmm. His life course is not much different than mine, he thought. Where's your dog? Okay, the Stone's daughter, Miranda, oh, I love the name Miranda, mm-hmm. arrived with her maternal grandparents who had told her only that her father had been shot. She learned of his death in the parking lot. Oh my god. Teresa took a call from her son, Michael, who was in college in Florida. She only had time to tell him his father's death before resuming conversation with a detective. During a quiet moment, Pastor Love pulled his eyes from the crime scene for a quick word with Teresa. He reminded her of something in her phone. Get rid of the track phone, he said, and and if police ask you about Randy's gun, tell them he sold it three months ago. Mm. Sounds like my parentals are home. Yes, indeed. So. All right. So, a homicide scene can tell you a story. There was, like, a six-part, um, I think it's a newspaper is where this was that like broke this down into six parts. We're not going to do six parts. I told you we're only doing two, but they like broke it down. And so that's where I got a lot of notes from. So yes. Mm -hmm. So the, okay. So yeah, a homicide scene can tell a story. Nolan Road Insurance Office told Detective Keith Rose Warren. There's his first name, Keith. Mm -hmm. Randy Stone likely knew and trusted his killer. Hmm. Hmm. Nowhere in the offices could uh, police detect any signs of struggle, not even one letter. That's not what it says, but that's what I'm saying. Not even a hint. Uh, Stone appeared to have been ambushed, shot in in his head while he had his back turned. Oh, that's awful. The location, well, it didn't seem like anything was disturbed, so it it wouldn't have been like a scuffle. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was the way it is. So the location um, argued against the 
killing pe- uh, killing being opportunist ah, opportunistic random violence. It's highly unusual for someone to be gunned down during the day um, in a business on Nolan Road, one of its busiest uh, Independence's busiest streets. And forget robbery, they found $151 in cash sitting on a desk, plus his wallet remained in his back pocket. So that wasn't a um, motive either, even though money does come into play, mm-hmm. because that's what we see pretty reoccurring with these female mm-hmm. killers. Yeah. But other questions emerged. Police hadn't found the murder weapon, but received a 40 caliber shell casing on the floor near his feet. It didn't match the only firearm they found at the office, which was a 38 Ruger sitting in a drawer. And there was, oh, and then there was the birthday note ripped into nine pieces and discarded in an office trash can. Happy birthday, love. You are so very precious to my heart. I care about you more than anyone on earth. I'm not in control of things yet, but when we are fully together, your birthday will always be exciting, full of surprises, romantic and all, about loving you. You are the center of my world. I praise you. I adore you. I'm blessed by you. I need you. I love you. So that is a note that they found ripped into nine different pieces. So they come through the office for more clues. Detectives Steve Schmidley? Schmidley. 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 And Jerry Stewart um, interviewed Teresa at police headquarters. They learned that the couple had been about to go through some financial strains because of business changes they had planned, but despite some recent stress, the marriage was strong, is what Teresa insisted upon saying. We were very much in love. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, she tried to be Mother Teresa. Uh Um, The detectives asked her about the handgun, a Glock that was... Um, one of Randy's police officer's friends had seen him with. She only remembered the little three eighty, guessing that Randy must have sold the bigger pistol. 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 Oh, pistol a year earlier. <laughs> I was trying to blend words together as I do. I don't think um, he had that one anymore because the little one is the only one I've ever seen um, for a very long while. Is what she told the police, and then they brought up the birthday letter. It was at the bottom of your trash can, he said, but she didn't recall it. Of course not, because why mm-hmm. would she? What is this thing really feels? That's very interesting. Hmm. No. Okay, so, anyways. Um, Schmidley and Stewart hustled out to see if the crime scene text had returned with a photo of it along in the interview room, but being monitored by a hidden camera, she agonized. Oh, great. She whispered to herself, I forgot about that. <laughs> when the detectives returned, she conjured up the story about an unknown secret admirer who left the note on her car years before. Years before, but it's in your trash can conveniently on the day your husband is murdered in your office. Hmm. Okay. Though Teresa could appear casual and fun, she knew that keeping secrets was a serious business. <clears throat> The detective's questions already had nicked a dark spot. One of the steadfast, one she steadfastly refused to reveal a forbidden relationship with her pastor, David Love, at the oh. New Hope Baptist Baptist Church. Baptist, goodbye. I can't read or talk because my mouth was dry, so I had some soda. About a year after Pastor Love arrived, he invited her into his office. Mm, the birthday note cheerfully recalled the moment. I This is quote. I remember nine years ago telling you I had something for you in my office. It was me. I wanted to give you me. Blech! That kiss you took and then you gave me one back. I felt like it was my birthday. Spontaneous and passionate love affair began slowly with weekly meetings wherever the opportunity presented. Yeah, because that's slow. Slow every week. 
Okay. <laughs> Sometimes when she knew her husband would be away for the insurance business for at least an hour, she'd call Pastor Love. Like I said, I hate his name. I no longer love Love. <laughs> <laughs> Their meetings increased to three times a week, then to even one or two times a day. She had to also fulfill her husband's need for affection. She later recalled, it wore me out because you're a slut. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Oh my god. In 2005, Teresa became pregnant with David's <gasps> child, a she condition she couldn't him. hide from Randy, who she had undergone a vasectomy. The news shocked Randy, but he had seen other couples conceived after vasectomies. So the idea of a physiological malfunction wasn't completely alien to him. The issue faded after she miscarried, and in Teresa's mind, God spared her that day, yet gossip occasionally spilled through the church. Okay, she thinks God spared her. No, you cheated on your loving, doting husband with mm -hmm. your pastor, a man of God. What an mm -hmm. insult to Jesus, sir. Yeah. Not even religious, but even though I know that's fucked up. <clears throat> <laughs> so, you... Oh. No, that the, the universe and God was like, that child does not need to be raised by another man who thinks it's his kid. That's mm -hmm. that's because that's exactly what she would have done. That's terrible. The, but, oh. mm -mm. Oh, my no. blood is boiling. Okay. <laughs> that's why my kids aren't. My head, kid's head is so sweaty on my arm. Yeah. In 2008, Randy told the church staffer he soon would leave New Hope because he suspected his wife was having an affair with the pastor. Uh -huh. So obviously... They're like, Randy, that's ridiculous. You need to be careful of the accusations you make when it comes to those kind of things because that's a life-changing accusation for a pastor. Which, I mean, if you're suspecting it, it's... But to, like... Yeah, yeah, he's obviously saying this... Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You're saying this in confidence to a person. Like, mm -hmm. you can pick up on energies pretty quick. Oh, yeah. So Randy stuck with his wife and minister, even submitting to weekly counseling with David after Teresa caught, caught him watching porn. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Porn. I don't think porn is grounds for <laughs> cheating. I don't think that's it at all. I mean, mm -hmm. if the, the people can have an addiction to it, that I can understand. But this... Oh, just wait. The porn troubled Teresa, and she responded by falling more deeply into her pastor's arms. You nasty fuck. And he responded in sometimes reckless ways. David posed in front of a digital camera for 30 intimate photographs which he sent to Teresa then deleted them from his computer. Oh. In 2009, January, he ended up sending her a bunch of emails. Um, they were fervent, lovely emails. Oh my god. Just, just fucking wait till this shit. Oh I goodness. long for the touch of your hand as you walk by and the twinkle in your pretty blue eyes as you smile at me. You are my doll. Your encouragement is all that keeps me going. Thank you for being so wonderful, beautiful, sexy, and smart. I live to please you. I am so totally in love with you. And then they'd talk about what it would be like to be married. Why wouldn't you just do that? I mean, you'd have to leave town because there'd be like, David was, or Randy was right. Y'all are sluts. But like, just get divorced and go be together. Like, unfortunately, some love stories work out that way. Then just do that. Okay, so he says, I cannot wait to watch you walk to me knowing that we are officially about to be married publicly. I love your ideas. I love your plans. I think you can collect wedding info and file it as if you were planning for your daughter. Oh. She wanted it, an outdoor wedding. Not that I care about what she wants, but 
we're setting the scene here. Mm-hmm. Maybe a rose garden or something like that. My dress, I'm not sure. When I find the perfect dress, you will be the first to see it. Blech. As they sought to understand their love, David reminded Teresa of the biblical King David, Israel's warrior king, who demonstrated that no man's depravity was beyond God's forgiveness. He was not even above murder, the pastor observed. King David, for example, orchestrated the death of Bathsheba's husband Uriah so he could uh, take her as his wife. And God still blessed him, is what David said. So they're trying to justify this affair mm-hmm. and get rid of Randy in the most obscene way because John, John, God will justify it. Sorry, I was trying to say God and justify together. Mm-hmm. If God wants us to be together, God will make it happen, she said. But Pastor Love spoke as if he were an instrument of God's will. Oh, goodness. It's the warrior in me. I hate everything. I hate all of this. <laughs> I hate this feeling. Will you take this? Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 he's a good one. Oh, he's a good So the investigation at the insurance, we gotta, you know, we had to backtrack, talk about a nasty love story, no pun intended, to... Hello. Let's go get you a binky, shall we? Let's keep going. Okay, so now we're back to the investigation at the insurance office. Um, it slowed down that night when police determined they'd need a warrant before they could get more of a search, which, I mean, that's normal. Mm-hmm. So the medical examiner's office removed Randy's body, and they sealed the office and posted a guard so no one could go in and try to delete more evidence because mm-hmm, people are being suspicious. Mm-hmm. So Rose Warren, who had been on the force for 23 years, already classified the case as a whodunit. We all know whodunit. Mm-hmm. L-O-B-E. Lots of lacking of love <laughs> there. They would um, scrutinize everyone close to Stone to see who had the means, motive, and opportunity to complete this crime. Um, The bosses ordered crime analysts and detectives from other units to drop everything and move on to the case. Wow. Like, this became serious. Within days, more than two dozen detectives, ossifers, goodbye, officers, (laughs) analysts, specialists would be assisting. Keep your eyes open. They had plenty of leads to chase. Someone out there had to know these people and understand what they thought. Um, one of them lived hundreds of miles to the east in West Virginia. Mm. So, coming the day after a murder, that wasn't the answer that Pastor David Trump had expected. Expected. So we're bringing there's because some churches have more than one pastor. So, it, um, I think this was the pastor who was there before David Love took over. So we've got two Davids. So it's gonna get a little little sketchy up in here. And when we talk about Trump, it's not an orange Cheeto of a person. So, in an afternoon phone call, Trump had um, asked David Love how he was doing. Doing, I'm to keep trying to blend these words together. Doing, given the fact that one of his most prominent members of his church had been gunned down the previous afternoon, someone who loved and adored him and looked up to him, like literally idolized him, because some people just look at their pastors that way. It's fine. Pastor Love, remember. Someone was just shut down and in his community that came to his church and probably was like a frequenter at her, his house and stuff for dinner, I'm sure, responded with a happy quotation from the 19th century hymn that celebrated being perfectly at peace with God, like a river glorious, he said with a cheerful swagger in his voice before changing the subject to the NCAA basketball tournament. Huh. 
Chains of Oh, I'm super happy. Like, somebody just died that I love and appreciate. But oh, let's talk about basketball. Wee! <laughs> so, um, Trump, who was a pastor at the Baptist Church in Beckley, West Virginia, had known David Love and his wife since the 1990, though he hadn't spoken with them for years. Okay, so that's how they know. Okay, I thought he was the previous pastor. I was incorrect. I apologize. Earlier that morning, Teresa Stone, another distant friend that he hadn't heard from in a while, called to announce that her husband um, had been shot the previous day, Randy. She followed that with a quick accounting of her activities for the day and rang off after about 10 minutes. <clears throat> Trump immediately called David Love to confirm that this wasn't a cruel April Fool's joke, being it was April 1st. Because like I said, it's uh, March 31st, 2010. Now it's April 1st. Not an April Fool's joke, y'all. So David um, returned the call. Trump steered the conversation from college basketball and back to Randy Stone. He responded much like Teresa with a detailed description of his day, mentioning a funeral service he had performed in Gladstone in the early afternoon, a stop for a sandwich and a hospital visit he made in South Kansas City much later in the afternoon. Do you think you'll be questioned is what David Trump asked. Mm -hmm. Love responded with, I could be, and if I am, I have a stack of dirt on Randy Stone. Wow. Is this blackmail ready? Just like... <laughs> blackmail ready. Like, right. And his remember, his eyes were blackened and, uh -huh. like, shot in the back of the head. Right. So, wow. why would that be your go-to? Like, yeah. there's, like, neither of them are acting sad. Maybe. And I don't like it. Maybe. So, mm -hmm. the pastor spoke briefly about Love's plans for Randy's funeral and ended the conversation. After hanging up, date Trump... David Trump, thought about an earlier discussion that now troubled him on a number of levels. Traveling back to 2002, when the Stones visited Trump in West Virginia, Randy had confided that he'd found a letter from Teresa brimming with sexual fantasies and written to someone named David. Randy advised that he'd confronted Teresa, who responded that she read that staging an affair letter might improve Randy and Teresa's sexual relationship. This bitch has got a story for everything. Oh, I just <laughs> pretending, babe. Welcome back, guys. It's fucking stupid. I'm fine. Randy never again raised the, um, the subject with David Trump, and now he was dead. And within hours, Teresa Stone and David Love each had shared their complete alibis for the day Randy had been killed. Trump felt uneasy and resolved to contact uh, police in Missouri, but he held off thinking his his, his his suspicions were too implausible. Have I been watching too much TV? He asked himself. No, sir. No. You were like the rest of us here. We're like, go to the police. Call forensic files. Do something. Call HLN. Be like, hey, something's not right here. So... Rumors had long swirled about an affair between David and Teresa. Mm -hmm. Now police had to prove it. So we're jumping jumping back into it. Uh, de de detective. Goodbye. Keith Rose Warren had scrambled successfully through the foothills of his interview with Teresa. At 6.10 p.m. on April 20th, 2010, she signed a Miranda waiver agreeing to be interviewed without an attorney. That's not smart. Sorry. I mean... Whatever. I mean, I want her to be caught because clearly she has something to do with this or so we wouldn't be talking about her. Mm -hmm. But he had declined that mountain. Uh, Officer Ro or Detective Rose Warren faced with um, two clean of alibis and rumors flying about this affair. He had plenty of reasons to s suspect Teresa and Pastor David Love. I hate that his name is David Love. It's really starting to irk my bones. Um, <laughs> Teresa had been an atypical homicide victim's wife. Most call detectives regularly fishing for info and um, were offering leads. She had been remarkably quiet in the 20 days since her husband had been murdered. 
um, detectives were starting to piece together and believe that they had been engaged in a nearly 10-year affair and that Teresa had gifted David the 20 or the 40 caliber Glock that belonged to her husband Randy and that they had communicated about killing using disposable cell phones because remember he told her to throw the phone mm-hmm. away the track phone I think it was mm-hmm. but even mm-hmm. with a solid theory and a nice pile of circumstantial evidence um, he believed prosecutors would never file charges without significant admissage- admissions from Teresa or David. Wow. She was in the chair that Tuesday evening. <laughs> it's a Tuesday, y'all. Because detectives felt that they had a better chance of breaking down her defenses. They started with that torn up birthday note um, they found in her trash can the day of Randy's murder. She said she had no idea who'd written the note and claimed it appeared on her windshield three years earlier. She claimed she'd torn it up to keep it from her husband. Just ironically, on the day he dies, it's right. fine. Right. Why wouldn't you get rid of it three years ago? Uh-huh. Yeah. We have to know who wrote that note and what's going on behind it, mm-hmm. is what Rose Warren said. I think you understand if you have somebody who's infatuated with you that's been pursuing you, we can't rule that person out as a suspect. Um, he ends up talking about how the writer uh, wrote, I praise you, I adore you, I'm blessed by you. This is verbiage verbiage sorry that indicates that whoever wrote it is involved in christianity Mm -hmm. or the church was it david love (laughs) Teresa. she wilted she bent she's just like yeah he wrote it it's him Mm -hmm. but she wouldn't give up that easily because she's a monster is there any chance that david love had anything to do with your husband's death do you think he's capable of it nope nope all she said was nope she's protecting him (laughs) <laughs> Rose Warren, this guy's a badass. He's just like, he's gonna, he'd have to tread lightly and be patient. And he's like, I have all night. Let's do this. Let's do this, girlfriend. So, unknown to Rose Warren, a video feed of the interrogation had drawn a crowd in a small conference room nearby. Detectives, prosecutors, and police commanders, all of whom had met daily to review and analyze the evidence, settled in for a long night. Some day shift employees hung around to watch. <laughs> it's like, watch this shit show unfold. Oh, this is awesome. I would be, I would be in that room. Oh, I'd yeah. be like, peeking through the window. Who wants, who wants popcorn? Who needs coffee? Like, I will help anyone out. So, with each of her evasions, knots of frustration tightened in the group, only to release when he um, teased out a new admission, such as Teresa's acknowledgement that she and David had communicated covertly with cell phones to hide a counseling relationship from David's wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, his tone ended up sharpening with her when she denied a sexual relationship with love because obviously she's not going to admit to it because she's a fucking asshole. He's like, I've got about 20 detectives out there that want um, to take this to a grand jury today, tomorrow. They think we have enough evidence against you to have you charged because they think you're involved in this. Not that you killed him, but you had someone t- that you mm-hmm. did have something to do with this. She dro- Her jaw dropped and she starts sobbing. Because she sucks. I have told you everything that happened that day. I have receipts to show you my daughter was with me. But aware of the birthday love note and secret cell phones, he wasn't buying that her relationship was so chaste. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not going to wave red flags and tell the world, okay? Teresa, I already know what you're going to say, but I have to hear it from you. So she goes, yes, we had sex. Yeah, she's dropping the bomb. They're breaking her down, and I'm living for it. And then she talked about her 2005 miscarriage. And so he ends up switching the course and picked up the odd discrepancy between the first two calls she made after finding Randy's body. She told her parents that Randy had been shot. The 911 call taker only 
and told the 911 taker that beer, beer, blood had been coming from an ear. God. She wants beer. Beer. I need a drink. She needs a drink. I need a drink. This is my bartender. This is stressing me out. So he, um, emphasizing that his patience was near exhaustion, because God only knows this is probably an hours long investigation. Who told you that he'd been shot? How did you know that you'd, he'd been shot? And why didn't you tell us? You're being untruthful with me, Teresa. She's like, I, I didn't know. She replied with a toss of her head. You're not being truthful. I didn't. He sent me a text and told me. The opening grew wide. Who did? Say it. She, with an anguish whisper, she took the case far beyond theory and circumstantial evidence. Brother love. Brother love. Brother love! Hello, brother love. Yeah, fuck you. So, the context of the test had text had been ambiguous. Seriously urgent, do not go back to the office. Um, but Teresa's admission that David had sent her the message propelled the questioning along more than a dozen new and productive avenues. So she, I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that she was out shopping with her daughter. Hmm. That she shared with a man that mm-hmm. she's working on having murdered. It's fine. Wow. Investigators mm-hmm. suspected from the shell casing found at the insurance office that Randy had been killed with his own gun. But how did Brother Love get that gun? She, um, she expressed complete bewilderment. Thought she speculated that Love may have memorized the combination on his gun safe when her husband was showing off his firearms collection. Wow. <laughs> Rose Warren goes, this is tearing you up. <laughs> she goes, I'm trying to protect a godly man, supposed to be a godly man. He told me in my room that next day. Teresa began sobbing, and she started hyperventilating. Courage, Teresa, what did he say? He said, you know, if you tell them that, I'm going to jail for murder. However, Teresa remained adamant that she had no role in planning the killing. So she's just painting it that this guy is so in love with her, and mm-hmm. he's just like, but yet he tells her not to go back to the office. Okay. Because she doesn't know. Okay. Wow. Okay. She seemed willing to acknowledge terrible behavior on her own part, but nothing that could expose her to criminal liability. Uh, She also wasn't afraid to lie or to lay uh, the crime at her lover's feet. I hate it. I hate how people just want to protect other people. I just don't understand it. So, um, the breakthroughs did lighten the mood in the nearby conference room, you know, the popcorn and coffee people, where other investigators began tossing around ideas for new questions. Um, they did finally take a break, and he collapsed into the chair outside of the interview room, and he fended off high fives from his colleagues, telling them that they still had a long way to go. Teresa Stone, he knew, did not give up the truth easily. One idea percolating through the room was to somehow put t- Teresa and David together to see if he would say something useful. More than six hours into this interview, a plan came together to have Teresa call him at home and press for a confession. Now completely at the detective's mercy, she agreed. So she's about to sing like a canary. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to keep going because I think we'll wait until we get like to the trial part of it. And that's when we'll break for part two. Okay. Yes. Glorious. It's gonna be brother great. love. I know. Fucking. I don't even. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's great. Um. Okay. Okay. So, uh, he she calls. She calls. So this six hours and it is now. Your dog just turned on one of my kids' toys. <laughs> and she's fine. She put the call through at twelve forty three a.m. Like these people aren't fucking around on April twenty first. So, immediately, David appeared suspicious. You have to do something. She says, I can't live like this anymore. This is just killing me. Ha! Poor choice of words. He goes, okay, who's there with you now? Are you home? 
Quickly, it became clear that David's wife, Kim, stood nearby, inhibiting David's ability to speak frankly, but Teresa pushed ahead. I, I need to know why. I need to know why you killed my husband. I need to know. Please, I can't live like this anymore. Before he could speak, Kim comes on the line, demanding to know why Teresa was calling and asking what she thought her husband had done. Kim would not allow them to meet with her, without her. Trust you, after all you've already done, Teresa, what do you want with David? What do you want... Uh, what do you want with my husband? Just tell me what you want. Seeing that the call was going nowhere, he, uh, Detective Rose Warren gestured for her to disconnect. At, at the love home, Kim fired questions at her husband. Are you going to hurt me? He goes, honey, no, I would never do that. Did you have anything to do with this? He says, no, liar. Well, what is she doing? By then, David wasn't playing, really paying attention to his wife. And he goes, she's not going to pin this on me. Wow. Both, both loves, <laughs> I hate it, headed for the garage. She stopped at the door and looked at her son, Shelton, oh, who was oh, watching TV. She goes, pray for me. Oh, no. I don't know what's going on. Oh, Kim. What oh. are they teaching the son? <laughs> well, nothing good. <laughs> so, um, at 12.55, a gray Buick backed out of the driveway and headed toward US-24 in the stone home. David, the driver, glanced in the mirror and told his wife, there's a car following us. She felt the cold... Kim felt the cold grip of fear. She imagined Teresa pulling up and shooting her in the head. And she goes, honey, is something about to happen to me? And he goes, no, honey. He was completely un, like, very, yeah, unempathetic, very stone-faced. Nothing is facing him right now. Um, they ended up getting pulled over by a police, uh, a patrol officer, handcuffed and arrested Pastor Love. She agreed to go to headquarters for an interview, even though officers assured her that she was not a suspect because she literally is not. She is a saint, and she did not deserve this, and neither did Randy. Back at headquarters, another plan materialized. Um, Detective Quiz Rose Warren quizzed Teresa about her willingness to meet with Love to see if she could encourage him to say anything she was willing to try. Wow. She's, like, really throwing him under the bus for someone she's, like, madly in love with and wanted to marry. <laughs> true love. She, true love did. The course of true love never did run smooth. Shakespeare. Okay. Um, okay. I would hope he would cooperate with you guys, being that he is in the state that he is. I mean, as a man of God, he is held liable to the most high God that we have, and I know I am too. I would think he would be honest. So, David loves... Um, arrives minutes later um, with two detectives. Teresa, with her own detective escort, emerged from a hallway looking as she stumbled into a chance meeting. The two stopped and looked at each other. She goes, I told them everything. He appeared stoic and didn't speak for at least 20 seconds. He said, don't worry, I will take care of everything. That's not 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 reassuring. <laughs> I'm losing papers. They can go on the floor. I'm going to throw them away anyways. All right, so independence, please search the um, Reverend David Love and plopped him in a bare interview room not far away. Teresa had spent the previous eight hours gradually implicating him step by reluctant step in the murder of her husband, Randy Stone, um, three weeks earlier, because this was three weeks later, because this, this took a hot minute to put all these pieces together. Alone with his thoughts, David put his shoes back on and laced them meticulously um, he adjusted his socks and pant leg and carefully smoothed out his shirt tear and fluffed his hair. Ew. I hate it. So, he's sitting there, um, didn't really move for about nine minutes. So, Keith, uh, detective, was super exhausted from his interview. Teresa finally entered, like, this is going well into the night. Hello, sir. Told David that he had learned quite a bit in the past few hours. 
Roseware knew from this time that with Teresa that couching questions in a church-friendly manner could be effective with these suspects. He tried it again, even though Rose Warren was not a particularly religious man. Same. I'm not oh, goodness. Do we need to pause for the cause? Okay, let's keep going. So, we're talking about how Rose Warren was not a particularly religious man. Because same. You're going to hear that twice. So, we had to pause for the cause because we had to take a baby up to see his grandparents and take a dog out to pee. So... This is what Rose Warren is going to tell Mr. Stupid Fuck Love. <coughs> I'm going to tell you right now that this is not easy because I know what, that you have spent your life working for the Lord. <coughs> you are the leader of the church and from what I know now, this is hard. It's not going to be easy. You just need to find it in your heart to have the courage to be truthful with me and put it in the Lord's hands. What a fucking genius. It's okay if she breathes a lot. She's fine. Before asking questions, Rose Warren needed Dave to agree to be interviewed without an attorney. He declined. Because why wouldn't he? Saying that he'd rather have a lawyer present because that's what you do when you're guilty. Sorry, she's trying to chill out a dog right now. I definitely need some kind of representation because I'm a preacher. I don't know the law. I only know the law of God. He didn't say that, but I'm saying that. I only know the law of God. Fuck you. Before, But before leaving to arrange a jail cell, Rose Warren told Love to expect charges soon. We're going to take the case to file um, to the courthouse tomorrow and ask for an arrest warrant for murder. He clasped his hands, sat stone still, and waited for detectives to return with the handcuffs. And not the fun kind. So, anyways. Just down the hall, detectives uh, Lauren Freeman, or Loran, I don't know, and Aaron Geetson, 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 I don't know, had found a cooperative witness in Kim Love, David's wife. Go, Kim. Kim, you wonderful human being. She was super suspicious of her husband because, as we said earlier, she had to, like, warn her, woo, woo, shoo women away from her husband. She spoke with investigators, um, probed what they knew, and shared details of her own systematic investigation of David's odd relationship with Teresa. During almost 28 years of marriage. That's literally my entire life. Thank you. Kim had become acutely aware of the perils of being married to a charismatic spiritual leader. Like I said, people tend to like people who preach well. It's it's a weird following. It's cult-like in some ways and sometimes not. Sorry. I have to drink because I'm talking a lot. A handsome pastor and all that stuff, she said. Sometimes you kind of fear women, which, I mean, is unfortunately... <laughs> A common like fear. Boys. Huh? They like boys. Yeah, exactly. She confirmed something that had only that had been only a promising theory twenty four hours earlier. Yes, her husband and Teresa had been communicating with disposable cell phones. In March of 2009, goodbye. Two thousand nine, she caught him late at night in the family's kitchen sending the text, I love and miss you to a number she didn't recognize. You he explained it was a text to someone he didn't know, a nobody really, and immediately took texting off his cell phone plan. So you don't just send that to someone you don't know. Right. Fuck you, you lying fucking shitbag. I'm just going to type in some random number and text it. I love and miss you. I don't know who that is. I'll prove to you that I only love you is what he told her. So then a year later, March 16th, 2010, she again suspected that he was sending text messages, this time just disappearing into their garage while... um. North Carolina basketball was on. I don't know why that's relevant, but here we are. After he returned to the game, he she charged out to look for a phone, but found nothing. She returned to the couch, and she prayed. This godly, beautiful woman. 
I said, Lord, if there's something out there, you help me find it. She told Freeman and Geitzen. Um, I don't know how to say it. And I went back out and put my hand right on that phone. Holy shit. Okay. All right, divine intervention. I see you. Whoa. Yeah. Pray. <laughs> no, thank pray. you. She prayed. Man, God provided. I mean, you go, dude. Mm -hmm. Her husband immediately acknowledged that he had been texting Teresa, but insisted, insisted, goodbye, insisted that it was just <laughs> a talking relationship, that he was counseling her on her marriage. I insist you don't. <laughs> I can't even right now. I, I just, I just can't. Counseling her on her marriage. Fuck you, dude. I'm so dumb to believe all this. Kim told the detectives, "It's the, like the movies that you watch." <laughs> Teresa had been in Kim's sights not long after Kim and her husband arrived at the church eleven years earlier. Kim had become suspicious of Teresa when she would put her head on David's shoulder while speaking with him. Ew, I hate that. Kim um, had broken that up quickly, telling her husband that it doesn't look very good that this woman is just coming and putting your head on your shoulder while they're talking. That's fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Sus. Fish. Us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just have a feeling that about certain women that kind of have a thing for your husband. I just always kind of felt like she did, but I could never put my finger on anything he did wrong. Over the years, suspicions grew. Because women are fucking smart. No, they're fucking creatures who can pick up on signs and investigate better than the FBI at times. So, so, so. So, um, earlier in 2010, David had given Kim a silver ring purchased from an independent center jewelry store. Kim took it back to find something more to her liking. Aw, that's kind of harsh. But, um, I mean, okay. The retail clerk printed out a copy of the receipt, which included a a $299 silver ring with several small diamonds. Her husband had paid only a sixth as much, $49.99, for her ring. So he bought a, he bought two rings with that receipt. Two. A silver ring, and then her 50 a $300 ring, and a $50 ring. Hmm. <sighs> David, you suck. Don't make me hate silver. I won't hate silver because of this, but fuck you. Willing to believe that David might have been saving the second ring for her upcoming birthday. Okay, alright, trying to justify the situation. I see you, girl. Um, she checked the jewelry store website to see what it looked like instantly. She recognized it as one Teresa had been wearing recently with her wedding ring. Uh, gross. So, at church one night... Kim, Kim, you salty biatch. I love it. Oh, that's a pretty <laughs> ring, she tells. She oh, told no. Teresa. Mm -hmm. She's like, that's a $9.99 ring from JCPenney. Teresa snapped. Wow. She's just complimenting your ring. Calm down, ma'am. $9.99. Bitch, it's a $300 ring from your secret boyfriend who's mm -hmm. a pastor and you're married. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. So Kim confronted her husband about it and recovered the ring from Teresa and gave it to his wife. Ew, but insisted that the relationship was not physical. Eh, I really believed him. He said, the stupidest thing I've ever done was buy her that ring. Wow. I need to leave. Mm -hmm. Like, you took the ring back from her and gave it to your wife? Mm -mm. Why would you wear that? No, no, you no. saw it on her hand. Like, mm -mm. oh, honey. Honest to goodness, I think I should be a detective because I have the best intuition in the world, she said before offering the detectives a parting gift. Digging into her into a large purse for her billfold she withdrew a slip of paper containing phone numbers that she'd methodically copied from the electronic memory of the disposable cell phone she'd found in the garage on march 16th geez that was just a few days ago from present day right now she'd thrown the telephone in an independent center trash can after returning both rings to the jewelry store and picking out a gold one because gold in this case is better than silver 
She took the news that the investigators believed her husband was directly involved in uh, Randy Stone's death and had made plans to kill her too remarkably well. How is it that you are holding it together right now? She's like, it's God, she said. I'm surprised, but I had my questions. Bad bitch alert. <laughs> Whew, she's just a damn saint. All right. Twice during his 24-hour stay in the Independence Jail, David Lev called family members asking that they bring him a Bible. No, you don't deserve one. And a hairbrush. No, you need to look ugly. Bye. At, and each time Kim pressed him on whether the investiga investigators' accusations were true. Did Teresa set, um, set you up or what's going on? Um, was her first question. He's like, this is being recorded. <laughs> Cause, so I think I'm going to appear in the morning sometime to get an attorney. And I think they call that being arraigned. Did you do it? Honey, I wish I could. I wish you could be there with me in the morning. She, he said, did you do it? <laughs> Bitch, answer her question. <laughs> Sweetheart, it's not wise for me to say anything on the phone because it's being recorded, okay? As if that doesn't say it all. That's all. That's it. Guilty. Throw him in the can. Shoot him in the back of the head, you know? Don't let us use our tax dollars on this fuck stain. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so the murder charge that Rose Warren promised the next day didn't materialize. God damn it, why not? Jackson County prosecutors wanted the investigation since down and complete bef um, before they filed charges and the analysis of cell phone records and computers still was underway. Those results could take months. So he, after an overnight stay, David walked out of jail into a hail of questions from members of his church. As it should be. He called a meeting at his home a, a Friday, April 23rd and announced to seven church members his resignation as pastor. Wow. He'd written in a statement, It is with remorse and repentance that I resign. I have sinned against my Lord, my family, and against the Lord's church. I am resigning because of my sin of immor Im immorality. I have asked God to forgive me for sinning and deceiving my f family and each of you. I ask the staff, deacons, officers, and members to receive my resignation and to forgive me of my sin. A church deacon later reported that David admitted the affair but denied any role in Randy's murder. So the following Sunday, a, um, Rose Warren and a squad of detectives appeared at his house to uh, serve a search warrant. Detective David. The police herded the family together to get them out of the way while officers took photos and gathered evidence. David Love in turn gathered the family around a piano and treated police to a family gospel sing-along. Oh my god. But the media and police attention weighed on the preacher. After the detectives left, David Love slipped out of town with his brother. David would not tell Kim where he was headed, but he said to contact his brothers if she needed to reach him. He took his birth certificate and passport with him. So. So. I think that's where I'm going to leave you with part one because we're about halfway through. So that's part one of Teresa Stone and David McFuck Love face. So he's left town with his brother with his birth certificate and his passport. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, just gonna wrap. Very superstitious. So we'll be right back with part two. And it'll be released a week apart because of who we are as people. But, so, okay. Alright, that was a lot. That was pretty... I'm just... I'm ready for more. That was rad. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, here we go. Okay. <laughs> so, social media, Bloody Babbles Podcast. Uh, you can find us anywhere. Um, uh, mm, 
uh, Fantasy and World Music by The Fighter does our intro sound. Um, yeah, um, we're, uh, I'm, I'm reeling. I'm reeling because I'm like, this bitch just fucking took out of town. And now you're all probably going to be like, we have to wait a whole week for this? Maybe I won't make you wait a week. We'll see what happens. We just may have a two-parter in one week and then we'll take a Tuesday off. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. Okay. Until five minutes from now. <laughs> for us. For you, it's a few days. Babylon. Have you ever wondered who would make the sexiest zombie? Matt Damon. Pepper me with your Damon teeth all up on me. What would happen if your penis was where your head should be? They have to have something to look at, like a face. That would eventually become my face. <laughs> the Center Cut, a podcast where Michael and Dave only watch the beginnings and ends of your favorite movies and TV shows and try to figure out the middle. Just search The Center Cut everywhere you find podcasts. And remember, it's always better in the center. <laughs> <laughs>